Hi, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career coach, a Forbes columnist, a spokesperson, and now best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, and design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book, and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrade your confidence both in work and in love. And today, I want to thank our very special sponsor for today's episode. I'm so excited to be working with Endel. It's an app with music that helps you focus, relax, and sleep. So when you download the Endel app, it's spelled E-N-D-E-L, and you quickly set up your account, you'll see that there's four different options for soundscapes that you can pick based on your needs. These include the options of relax, focus, on the go and sleep. Every single one of these four is powered by artificial intelligence and it's adaptive in real time to your location, your weather, your heart rate, and your level of motion. And these sounds have proven effectiveness for your productivity and your relaxation. So our really amazing friends over at Endel have so generously given the U-Turn community a free month subscription to the app Download the Endel app, E-N-D-E-L, and start your free subscription by following the link in the show notes for the podcast so that you can get your focus on, get your sleep on, and so much more. Now let's get in to this week's guest. You know, I'm coming out with a kids nutrition course this year. It'll come out in July. And it's this very fine line because there's a lot of like, I'm not here to mommy shame. Like I've given my kid a muffin with sugar. I know how fun it is to like treat your kids to stuff. Like I know what that experience is like, but we can't say that just because we made our cookies with maple syrup that, that they're better for you. The thing is, is it's slightly better. I'll say it's slightly better than like refined sugar because you are getting some natural minerals or something there are some properties in there that would be like oh that's that's a good reason to swap to that if you are going to use sugar yes please use a maple syrup versus like a regular cane sugar but i honestly when i'm talking in the in from a place of blood sugar it's really the same going on U-Turn friends. I'm so excited today because as you all know, I've become recently very infatuated with wellness and how to truly be well. All of you saw me probably on Instagram having one too many snack accidents and I thought it was time for us to have a conversation on this podcast about blood sugar, the science behind it, how to elongate your success and your good energy throughout the day. And that's why I figured it would be perfect to bring Kelly Levesque onto the show. She has her own podcast. You've got to check it out. It's called the Be Well by Kelly podcast. She covers everything from you know birth, fertility, healing your gut, owning your morning, so much more on her show. And she's a clinical nutritionist. Kelly, thank you for coming. Yeah, my pleasure. We just taped my podcast. If you guys want to go listen to Ashley because you love her like I do, come on over to the Be Well by Kelly podcast and check her out. 
You are helping so many people on so many levels. I was just reading your Instagram captions and it's like, you really have a, an imprint of like giving information that people can use now. And I love that about you. And I feel like, I don't know, I used to judge myself thinking like, this should be obvious. Everybody should know health stuff. Like maybe I missed that day of elementary school in the health unit or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what got you so into health? Well, first of all, I want to highlight that that is a major issue. Most people take health as an elective in high school and it's not mandatory. And in, even in for doctors who sometimes have a fellowship and have, you know, 12 years of school or something crazy like that, they get on average 19 hours of nutrition. Wow. So you should not expect yourself to understand blood sugar balance, hormones, and things like that, because it really probably wasn't part of your curriculum. For me, I've, after taking health in high school, became obsessed with it. My favorite class in college was the nature of human health and disease, where I did a thesis on um, diabetes, type two diabetes, which is all about blood sugar. And what I have realized in working with clients for almost a decade is that people will come to me with beliefs or lifestyle diet they'd like to practice. They want to be vegan. They want to be vegetarian. They want to be paleo or keto, or maybe they're carnivore now, or they want to be low carb, or they want to be low fat, or um, they have a history of heart disease in their family. And they want to be high fiber. Like everyone has this, this idea of like what they think is right. Um, and the one thing we can't really ever fight on is that blood sugar balance is important for you, no matter what lifestyle you live, mm -hmm. because your body is constantly trying to maintain a specific tight range of blood sugar balance. So what we need to understand is what breaks down to blood sugar. Mm. So a lot of people don't even know this. And I just, I don't like to assume that they do. So I just like to explain it. So, I definitely don't know. So you're going to need to explain it for me. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about what our macronutrients are then. So you have protein. Protein is a macronutrient. Protein um, breaks down to amino acids. Amino acids make everything in our body from our tissues to our hormones, to our neurotransmitters. It's the most satisfying macronutrient and it supports blood sugar balance because it is satisfying and it doesn't break down to blood sugar. So protein doesn't make sugar in your blood, in your bloodstream. Then there's fat. So fat breaks down to fatty acids and things, examples of healthy fatty acids would be like your omega threes and your omega six healthy fat would be things like olive oil, avocados, nuts, seeds, um, nut butters, coconut butter, coconut oil, um, all that yummy stuff. So that's good, healthy fats and fats are also going to come in the form of protein. So think like salmon is pretty fatty and egg has the egg yolk. That's pretty fatty, right? Fat does this amazing job of releasing satiety hormones. They make us like, if you were to think, and I use this example too many times, but steamed chicken or poached chicken and steamed broccoli versus sauteing that up with like a pesto. Like the experience of eating those two meals would be completely different. And the fat really makes us feel full and satisfied, but fat also, it doesn't break down to blood sugar. Mm. So we absolutely, science tells us we absolutely need to get protein, essential amino acids and fat, essential fatty acids from our food, no matter what lifestyle we live, lead, right? So you have to get protein and fat from your food, from the food that you're eating. There are times when I've worked with raw vegans where we really- Yeah, I was going to ask you just about that. Like, what do you do with the plant-based raw vegans? Right. I mean, these are, we go, go into fruititarians. Like there are reasons why people who are fruititarians need to eat cashews. Yeah. Like you have to find a way to get your protein and your fat from your food. 
because it's essential for you and for your vitality and for the way that you feel. Protein and fat are super satisfying, right? So then the third macronutrient, because there are only three, is carbohydrates, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else is a carbohydrate. So we have fruits, we have vegetables, we have grains, we have beans, we have, um, you know, processed foods like cookies, cakes, um, you have liquid and sugary carbohydrates, like, sorry to break it to you, kombucha, mm-hmm. juice, um, soda. And so if you eat protein and fat and it's not breaking down to blood sugar, what is, well, it's the carbohydrates. So you can think about the types of carbohydrates. Well, I'm sorry, but a cucumber is very different from a Coke. <laughs> Right. And how it's going to break, how fast it's going to turn to blood sugar is dependent on the package and the vehicle it's delivered to you in. So let's say that you had a Coke and you drank a big can of Coke. I want you to picture the Coke going in your mouth, going down into your stomach and being digested into blood sugar. So you can, what I tell my clients to do is picture little Coke emojis, you know, the little red and white Coke cup emojis, you're drinking it. It's going in your stomach and then it's being absorbed into your bloodstream as blood sugar. So you can picture little mini Coke emojis floating in your bloodstream. They are not allowed to stay there. Your body is maintaining a a small little range of blood sugar um, of of balance. And that balance is happening between 70 milligrams per deciliter and around 110 milligrams per deciliter. And you can think about that, that blood sugar like a roller coaster. So let's say we had the Coke. It's going to hit our bloodstream super fast because nothing is slowing the digestion down of that Coke. It's just liquid sugar hitting our bloodstream, jacking up our blood sugar. This is, this is a Montezuma's revenge style roller coaster. Your blood sugar is skyrocketing up. All these little Coke emojis are floating into your bloodstream and your body goes, ah, Mm. do something about that. (laughs) And so your pancreas releases a whole bunch of insulin and insulin is a storage hormone. Its job is to pull those little Coke emojis out of your bloodstream and put them away in a cell so that you don't have to deal with elevated blood sugar, Mm. right? It's this really tight range that your body's trying to maintain. And so places we store blood sugar in our liver, we store it. Um, It's glucose. Technically it becomes chains of sugar in our, in our liver called glycogen. And then also in our muscles, right? So it goes into these tanks. So the liver is the tank for your organs in your brain. Your muscles are your tank for movement. So we pull sugar into our muscles. If you were ever an athlete growing up, that is the process of carbohydrate loading, carb loading. Did you, you know, like you're eating a big pasta dinner before a big soccer tournament, you're eating, you know, all the bread and pizza before. And it was like a thing. Like I had played soccer. We would Thursday night before a Friday game, we'd all get together. We'd have a big pasta dinner. The whole point was to put all those little pasta emojis in our muscles. So we had all this energy to run. Mm -hmm. The problem is the majority of people eat a bunch of things that are carbohydrates and they're not as active in there. You know, they're, they're, they're fueling like they're a marathon runner when they're just walking their kids around the neighborhood. And that's the hard part is blood sugar when it's not in our liver and not in our muscles and it stays in our bloodstream. It is inflammatory. It can be stored as fat. It can, um, you know, it predisposes us to diseases like polycystic ovarian syndrome, type two diabetes, pre pre diabetes, you know, it's, um, it is, it's, it makes, it's a comorbidity in COVID it's, you know, increasing your chance for a heart disease. Like it, it is creating the inflammation that's laying the groundwork for disease. And so people need to understand how blood sugar works because you can support it. Now Mm -hmm. let's take that same example. Say you had cucumber, Mm -hmm. right? There aren't as many 
sugar or starch molecules in cucumber. You can eat a whole bunch of them, but here's the kicker too. They're wrapped in a fiber cell. So when you eat it, you have to chew it, masticate it. You have to digest it with hydrochloric acid and enzymes. And then those little cucumber emojis are eventually floating into your bloodstream, but it's not 20 of them. It's two Mm. and your blood sugar is only going up a little bit. So now instead of a Montezuma's revenge style roller coaster, where you're going shooting up really high and your pancreas is overreacting with a bunch of insulin and then you're crashing really hard and having cravings, a cucumber, it's like you're on the kitty train at the fair. You go up a little bit you come down a little bit. Mm. And so the way you think about carbohydrates and the way you think about how to support blood sugar is, well, if you're eating things that are fiber rich, you have to digest through that fiber to slow down the release of that sugar or starch. Plus if you eat whole meals and you add protein and you add fat to that, you're actually one, you're regulating all your hunger hormones. You're making yourself feel full and satisfied. There's no deprivation happening in any of the sugary or starchy carbohydrates that are rich in fiber are slowly releasing. We're elongating that blood sugar curve. And you're basically saying like, Hey body, I'm not expecting you to deal with, you know, my, the onslaught of sugar that I'm putting in front of you. I'm supporting that natural balance that you're trying to maintain by only allowing my blood sugar to go up a couple points and come down a couple points. And that right there, that like slower, lower elongated curve surges in energy, less inflammation, less fasting, uh, lower fasting glucose, lower insulin levels. I mean, it is, it is for anyone, no matter what their lifestyle is so supportive of energy cravings, proper sleep, um, anxiety and depression is exacerbated by an, uh, by a really erratic blood sugar curve. So for me, like I preach blood sugar and I, and I, and I try to teach it in a way that's that people can understand it because then they can start to say, they can evaluate their food choices on their own. They can say, Oh, look, kombucha, like this is good for gut health. It has probiotics in it. Yes. It has fermented tea in it, but what is it mostly turn the bottle around? Is there, is there protein? No. Is there fat? No. What is in there? There's carbohydrates. What kind of carbohydrates? Well, they're looking for sugar, but because that sugar has been fermented into a tea, it's going to show up just as a carbohydrate, but there's no fiber, which means that liquid carbohydrate is going to hit their blood sugar hit their bloodstream and jack up their blood sugar. Now, would I say you can never have a carb, a kombucha? No, I think they're kind of delicious. You know, I love the effervescence. I love it, but I would probably have it with a meal to mm-hmm. slow down the digestion of that sugar. Mm-hmm. I would have it with, you know, a big chicken salad with avocado and pepitas or like awesome flax seeds. Like I'm looking to, I am looking to feel full and satisfied and, and have my cake and eat it too. Like when I want to, but I also understand if, if I did feel like having a kombucha on its own at four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to probably ratchet up for 90 minutes. And then at that hour and a half mark, that curve is going to start to come down. Insulin's going to be doing a good job putting sugar away. And what am I going to feel like? Well, I'm going to feel like going into the pantry and looking for snacks. I'm going to look for crackers. I'm going to look for sugar. I'm going to want the apple. I'm not going to want the handful of nuts, but knowing that I understand the science, I'm going to go, shoot, I totally dysregulated my blood sugar. That's cool. It was fun. Uh, How do I rebalance? Well, protein, fat, and fiber helps you rebalance because it's not turning to blood sugar, but it's satisfying those that need for food or craving for food which is really just in response to you crashing out on a blood sugar curve. Oh my gosh, this is so helpful. I, I, I'm like tempted to ask you 
on one side, I want to understand what are the symptoms of having high blood sugar, because sometimes it's happening in somebody's body and they don't feel great, but they don't know what's happening. So I would love to figure out like, how can we give some people like somewhat of a mental checklist to be like, oop, I, oops, I did it again. <laughs> like, <laughs> oops, I, I did, did it again. again. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And then um, I also want to ask you about like alternative sugars and like, do they do the same thing? So yeah, go on ahead. Talk to me. Okay. So the, the crazy part is, is mostly the symptoms are coming from low blood sugar, not really from high blood sugar. So a lot of people are walking around with elevated blood sugar, elevated insulin in a state of insulin resistance, in a state of inflammation. And they're constantly just riding that roller coaster where they're like, Oh, I had this. And, and you know what I hate is like it. I hate when people use like a health word with a, with a food that's really just a blood sugar dysregulator. Like it's a vegan gluten-free donut. I'm like, <laughs> it's a fried bowl of car- ball of carbohydrates that I think is delicious as well. But yeah. I also know that's going to dysregulate my blood sugar. It doesn't mean I'm not going to eat it when my husband orders them and has them delivered on a weekend. Like, no, I'm going to have a bite, but I'm going to figure out how can I balance around it? Like, can I have a fab four smoothie before that's like chocolate, almond butter and flax seeds. And I'm like feeling full when they come so that it doesn't wreck me because I'm just eating that carbohydrate alone. It doesn't wreck my blood sugar. Or do I have it know that I'm going to go up and crash and have something in protein, fat and fiber-based after like there are totally ways, totally two different ways to do that. And I think that, I think that that's important to know, but back to your question, the symptoms of, of dysregulated blood sugar really come on the crash. So when someone has had too many carbohydrates, think of it like you were a kid at a sleepover and you had a bunch of candy and you're like, yes, yes, yeah, this is so much fun. I'm having so much fun. Well, you're only going to be having so much fun for about 90 minutes. And then what you're going to feel is like, you can't concentrate. You're going to feel irritable. You may feel like you have a short temper. You may feel shaky. You may have, um, you may feel like heart palpitations, heart palpitations really start to happen on a, on a high blood sugar. When you start to feel that high blood sugar, and then you feel kind of sick and nauseous, you are craving carbohydrates, you're craving sugar, like the back end of the, of the, the back end, the crash of it is really where the symptoms like hammer home. But what you can start to notice once you understand the back end of it is you'll then start to notice what it feels like to be riding the high, which is like, oh my gosh, I feel like frenetic kind of like, you're like, ah, like I want to do everything, but you can't focus. Uh Um, and maybe you have an increase in energy, but the crash hurts. Does it inflame you? Like, for example, I found out that I shouldn't be having gluten, like I, on my blood labs, and mm-hmm. it makes my nose close. And I didn't know that for years. I've been like, why is my nose closing? I literally can't breathe. And then I recently found out it's gluten. So when I don't eat gluten, I can breathe, which is incredible. But would it cause, would a sugar high cause inflammation that could make you have a n- closed nose? Or is that something that's more long-term over your lifespan? So the closed nose reaction is more of, um, it's an immune reaction. It's a symptom of an allergen or a sensitivity that you have to gluten, right? So if you were allergic to gluten, you would be celiac. If you have a sensitivity to gluten, which is probably what you, you were getting, you know, like, um, uh, a food intolerance test, right? What you're learning is that, okay, your body's response to gluten is that gluten is, you have a sensitivity to it. It is an invader. It's going to create 
it's, it's, you know, something you shouldn't be eating and your body is responding with an immune reaction. So it's like when people are allergic to pollen or have a sensitivity to pollen, when pollen comes around, that's what you're having to your food, right? Mm -hmm. So it, that isn't affecting your blood sugar, but it is a symptom of an intolerance Mm -hmm. that when you pull gluten out of your diet and you actually work on your gut health, because a lot of times we have we have reactions to food based on permeable gut, which is leaky gut, right? The worse our gut is, the more leaky it is, the more larger particles of food are getting into our bloodstream and our, our immune system is going, hey, what's up with that? You know, we're creating antibodies to gluten when if we had a um, we had tight junctures of our epithelial lining in our intestines, and then we had beautiful mucosa, and then we had all our microbes, and we weren't broken down in there, large particles of gluten wouldn't be getting into our bloodstream and it wouldn't be as inflammatory. We wouldn't have these reactive symptoms like you're having with a closed nose. Mm-hmm. I have clients who have a closed nose, you know, in response to histamines, in response to sulfites, in response to gluten, in response to dairy, in response to eggs. Like they have headaches, they have joint pain, they have brain fog, like symptoms symptoms are away. It's like the flare from our body. Like, Hey, what, this is a problem. A lot of times people think it's their normal and they don't. That's the block. Yeah. I was like, Oh, it sucks that like my nose is always, you know, just stuffy, you know, and that's it. And that's why, you know, you bring up this point we were talking about before we were recording about how, like, when you go looking for something, you'll find something. And even for me with my Lyme diagnosis, it's, I've, I can't help when I go to bed at night, but wonder, because now I've done all these blood labs and she was like, oh, you got bit by another bug that gave you a virus and you fought it off, but it can activate just like Lyme in your body where, you know, and I'm like, damn, how many people have been bit by a bug that gave them something weird that they're about to find out if they get blood results? How many people have eaten a weird food that now they have parasites living in them and it's their normal? You had mentioned that with blood sugar, it does, it is inflammatory or like having too much sugar is inflammatory. So would you say that, how does that show up? Like, do you get a a headache? Is that how it's inflammatory? Or is it over time, your body, your tissues, your cells become more and more inflamed because of all the sugar? Yeah. I mean, it's basically, it's corrosive. So it's, it's corrosive to blood cells. It's corrosive to tissues. It's, um, and that's the hard part. It's uh, without going into too much like nitty gritty, it's ages, it's uh, advanced glycation end products. Like these are literally, it's like rust in your body with sugar. Like people talk about protein being an issue with ages because it's glycated protein. Protein isn't the issue. Your your whole body is made up of protein. The sugar is rusting the protein. Mm -hmm. So it's not eating less protein. That's going to create less inflammation in your body. It's eating less sugar. That's going to create less inflammation in your body. And the thing is, is sugar is a substrate that we use for energy. Like glucose is what our mitochondria use to create ATP and energy. But what we all are is we're all sugar burners. Your body, these mitochondria have the ability to burn fat. Fat is battery operation. You are a mini Prius and you have a battery and you have gas. Gas is glucose or sugar and battery is fat, right? If you became fat adaptive, if you became metabolically flexible, meaning you could vacillate between being a sugar burner and a fat burner, that is a really healthy state to be in. If someone's a complete fat burner and they're showing it um, you know, via blood, breath, 
or urine that they're in ketosis, they're a fat burner, right? Everyone's really excited about being a fat burner, being in ketosis. But the thing is, is like, as long as your body can vacillate between burning sugar and burning fat, you are, it's protective. It's neuroprotective. It is anti-inflammatory and it's supportive. What the problem is, is everyone's a sugar burner. And not only are they a sugar burner, but they're a 16 year old behind the wheel that doesn't know how to hold their gas pedal in balance. They're slamming on the gas and slamming on the brakes and slamming on the gas and slamming on the brakes because they're eating really sugary carbohydrates, slamming on the gas, blood sugar skyrockets up. Their body goes, shit, I got to put it all away. Mm. Puts it all away. You crash down and you go, I feel like horrible. I feel like I need crackers. I feel like I need like more sugar and you spike back up and you crash back down. Well, here's the reality your body is going to maintain these homeostatic mechanisms. It's going to maintain, maintain a balanced blood sugar. It's going to maintain balanced pH in your body. It's going to maintain all your body has these little tight ranges for all of these biochemical processes. Like you have to have that. And if you don't, it's not going to go clean up that virus. It's not going to go deal with that other inflammation. It's not going to. And that's where we see like, if you have this underlying inflammation, blood sugar imbalance issue, and it's laying the groundwork for disease, whether that's heart disease or diabetes or you name it, then when you get hit with COVID or you get bit by a bug or something happens, your body is actually dealing with what is the most pressing thing, which is making sure that these like these little balanced homeostatic mechanisms are in place before mm-hmm. they go take care of everything else. And so I think the foundation of wellness is understanding that by eating whole foods wrapped in their fiber cell when it comes to, you know, carbohydrates or whatever, um, and making sure you're having clean sources of protein and fat that don't create that spike in blood sugar to make you feel fueled and satisfied and elongate that blood sugar curve. Then all of a sudden your body's in a state to heal. Your body's in a state to feel energized and balanced. You're going to get better sleep. You're going to recover from workouts better. And it doesn't matter what lifestyle you want to lead. Like you have to find that balance and food supports you to do that. Um, so I'm, a, I like preach it all day long. That's like my jam. Like, let's just start with the basics because people just jump to these, these trends. Like I'm going to do bulletproof coffee. I'm going to do matcha. I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to do intermittent fasting and they're intermittent fasting. And then they're breaking their fast with like a super dense processed flour-based poor oil type of a meal where you're like, okay, you just fasted and completely wiped out the benefits of that with crappy food choices. Okay. I have so many questions. Like I want to ask you about the fab four and the smoothie. And, and I also am curious about what foods to pair on your plate. Cause I feel like it's not intuitive for people like me, but I also, before I even get into that, want to ask you about alternative sugars. So I've been only eating monk fruit and stevia as sugars. And I'm, I, I I don't know, it feels so it's such a solid replacement for actual white sugar when I'm baking that I'm like, am I cheating? Like, is this thing going to cause a new problem? And I'm just (laughs) because I love baked goods. Um, so I'm just curious, like, what is your take on that? I understand that there's also carbs in, you know, the alternative flours, like oat flour and whatever. So I'd love your take on alternative flours, alternative sugars. Yeah. What they're doing with that and what they're doing with your bloodstream. Okay. So first and foremost, there are so many different types of alternative sugars. You're talking about monk fruit and stevia. These are natural alternative sweeteners that are coming from the monk fruit and from the stevia leaf. Okay. So those all alternative sugars, they're not going to 
they're not going to break down to blood sugar, right? There's a reason why they're not breaking down to blood sugar. So alternative sweeteners like monk, monk fruit and stevia are thousands of times sweeter than sugar. You can use less mm-hmm. and, um, and they taste like sugar, but they don't elevate blood sugar, right? So those, those are my favorite by far. Then you have alcohol sugars. Alcohol sugars taste like sugar, um, but they are going through your digestive tract without being absorbed. These were what people were using as, um, as diabetic sugars, like a lot of diabetic candy. The, the fallback of that is that majority of them ferment in, in your gut and they can cause diarrhea. I mean, they can doing a, bu- eating a Sounds bunch like of diet- a huge buzzkill. <laughs> yeah. Eating a bunch of diabetic candy. And you're like, it tastes like sweet, but I'm on the toilet all day. Like that's not great for your microbiome. And like, that's, I'm not super into that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we have aspartame and chemical sh- sweeteners and they are, they're not great. Like that's like your diet Coke. That's like people thinking they can get away with drinking a bunch of diet soda it is going to actually stagnate the, the proliferation of microbes in your gut microbiome. So it's almost like stopping them from growing and mm-hmm. proliferating, which is really important for preventing leaky gut and, um, and just being healthy in general. So I don't love that they're stopping the growth of that. And they're, you know, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not going to be a fan of it. And I just, I also know that here's the, here's the buzzkill about all that. When you have alternative sugars and you taste sweet, it'll increase your cravings for sweet. So you need to decide like, how is this working for you? Can you get away with having, so like, for example, I love element electrolytes. Mm -hmm. I think that there, it's a great electrolyte mix. There's no sugar in it. They use a little bit of stevia. I have a protein powder. I have a grass-fed beef isolate protein powder that's vanilla or chocolate. And I have monk fruit as an ice sweetener, right? Just monk fruit. It's literally dehydrated fruit that's been ground up into a powder and it's in Um, it's in my protein powder. It makes it taste like, I don't know, like a Wendy's chocolate frosty from when you were growing up. Right. But it's not having effect on my blood sugar. Now I can have that, that's that smoothie in the morning, or I can have my electrolyte pack and I'm not jonesing for a chocolate bar or a real cookie later in the day. So this is where I ask clients to like really evaluate how it's affecting them. Are they getting away with say having a monk fruit sweetened protein shake in the morning and having a little like stevia sweetened Lily's dark chocolate at night. And they're like, I'm great. And if that's you awesome, like that's not affecting your blood sugar. And it is a good alternative at this point, if you're using stevia or monk fruit. So it's not having an effect on your blood sugar. Now, when it comes to the alternative flowers, yeah. when it comes to the alternative flowers, you have to know what is it? Like what's the base of the flower and what is the macronutrients of that flower? So let's say oat versus almond right? An almond is protein, fat, and fiber. It's very low in carbohydrates. A oat is mostly carbohydrates. There's no protein in that. There is no, you know, fat in that. It is mostly carbohydrates. So grinding down an alternative to become a flour, you can look at the carbohydrate density by turning around the bag and looking at the total carbohydrates and say, um, you know, I, I don't know. Cause I'm not looking it up on the computer right now. I don't have these numbers in my head offhand, but let's say, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> let's say the total carbohydrate content of almond flour was 20 grams per cup and oat flour was 40 grams per cup. And then you looked below and you said, well, what's the fiber and the almond had five and the oat had five. Well, then the net carbohydrate is telling you what's turning into blood, into blood sugar, how much of that is ending up in your bloodstream. And then we pull it back and we say 20 minus five is 15. So 15 net carbs for almond flour, 40 minus five is 35, 35 net grams 
of carbohydrates for oat flour means you're going to get twice the spike with oat flour that you're going to get with almond flour. So everyone moving towards like paleo and keto baking, it's actually, you know, the reality is people aren't going to stop eating cookies. They're not going to stop making blueberry muffins for their family. And there are going to be times when they want to celebrate with food. So for me, I'd much rather someone look up a keto, a paleo slash keto recipe and use the alternatives and use limited ingredients and not have that blood sugar spike because they're not creating, they're not creating and, and, you know, basically creating a body that is laying the groundwork for disease. They're in a state where they are keeping their blood sugar balanced and they're getting away with having a little bit here, having a little bit there. Like I just made blueberry muffins for my son, Sebastian with him yesterday, because we have been going to this place called bear coast coffee, which is super cute hipster coffee shop. But Chris got in the habit of being like, yeah, bud, you can have a blueberry muffin. And I'm like, I like tried it and was like, this is literally, he could drink a bottle of maple syrup. And like, I don't want him to not have that experience. Like I want to be able to have blueberry muffins. I use almond flour, I use the coconut flour, I use the blueberries. Like I did use some um, banana as my sweetener because I knew, okay, it's like not going to have the same effect as like adding two cups of regular sugar. And I'm like, all right, I'm pulling back on the sugar and the carbohydrates where I can in my family so that he can have the experience. And yeah. Okay. Like every couple of months, if he's like, damn, I want a blueberry muffin. And we're like, all right, cool. We've like, we've kept your sugar in check and you want to have that blueberry muffin. And we're all kind of like getting something from the coffee shop. Great. Hey, U-Turners. So sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to give one more special shout out to today's sponsor, Endel, spelled E-N-D-E-L, which is an app with mood music and soundscapes that helps you focus, relax, and sleep. The sounds on this app are scientifically proven to help you concentrate for longer periods of time to calm your mind and even soothe you into deeper sleeps. I mean, how can you not want to get down with that? So as I mentioned at the beginning of today's episode, our friends over at Endel have generously given us a free month subscription to the app. Download the Endel app, E-N-D-E-L, and start your free subscription by following the link in the show notes for the podcast. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Send me a DM on the gram and let me know what you think. And P.S. If you're loving the music that you're hearing in the background of this interruption, it's because I am playing Endel's music right now. And that brings me to like my final question around sugar is like you mentioned a banana, which makes me think about the natural sweeteners. We were talking about like honey and maple syrup. Would you say like the best option is like the monk fruit or the stevia? And for those of you who are not familiar, you literally can buy a bag of monk fruit sugar and it looks like sugar. It tastes like sugar. So curious, like what your opinion is on these alternative, like I'm guessing maple syrup is still sugar. Yeah. So that's the crazy part is like, I'm like following a lot of wellness bloggers is yeah. like part of, and they make these really awesome, delicious recipes that they're replacing the sugar with maple syrup or they're replacing the sugar with honey. And I'm like, and then they're trying to say that like the magnesium in, in, in it or the, you know, antiviral properties. And I'm like, okay, totally negated by the fact that you just added a complete cup of sugar to that, to that recipe. Like, so it's this hard line because 
children, I mean, uh, under the age of two should not have any added sugar. They should be getting sugar from berries. They should be getting sugar from a banana. You know, the fact that the fact that, um, that we're making these recipes for our kids and we're pouring sugar in it is increasing their need, desire, and want for sugar. It's messing up their blood sugar. It's, it's overfeeding yeast and candida in their gut. We have a, a rampant overgrowth of yeast and candida in children where it's manifesting in um, inflammatory issues and autoimmune issues. And I just, I am, you know, I'm coming out with a kids nutrition course this year. It'll come out in July. And it's this very fine line because there's a lot of like, there's, I'm not here to mommy shame. Like I've given my kid a, a muffin with sugar. I know how fun it is to like treat your kids to stuff. Like I know what that experience is like, but we can't say that just because we've made our cookies with maple syrup that, that they're better for you, mm-hmm. you know? And then the thing is, is it's slightly better. I'll say it's slightly better than like refined sugar because you are getting some natural, you know, whether that's minerals or something, there are some properties in there that would be like, Oh, that's, that's a good reason to swap to that. If you are going to use sugar, yes, please use a maple syrup versus like a regular cane sugar. But I honestly, when I'm talking in the, in from a place of blood sugar, it's really the same. Okay. This is so, and I'm guessing it's the same with coconut sugar. It's like maple syrup or anything else. It's still sugar. Um, can you fully detox from the damage or the effects that being like, I used to love sugar and I I still love it, Me too. Uh, but I've cut it out obviously with Lyme disease. And, you know, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, damn, I had more sugar than everyone I know. Like I love sugar. I was on the roller coaster you're talking about. Like I was the roller coaster, <laughs> like trainer, like conductor. And yeah. Um, and I just wonder, like, can you fully detox from sugar? Like how long does it take if somebody cuts out processed sugars and like those carbs that are hard for them and what does balance look like with that? Um, just curious about that. Definitely the body is. And I think that's such a great question because I think people think they're innately broken. They think they're, they've wrecked themselves. They have this history of eating poorly. I mean, like I was a kid who grew up on, and I've said this before, like bagel bites and taquitos from Costco, Taco Bell, McDonald's. Like there was a time in which my mom would drive us through McDonald's and my sisters would get the pancake breakfast with syrup. And I didn't like pancakes or syrup. And I got a vanilla milkshake and that was an acceptable breakfast. Like, and that's just, you know, the more we know, the more we can support ourselves to heal. But the beautiful thing is if anyone has been to the body world's exhibit, which it's the most amazing exhibit that you could ever go to, to understand the, the inside of the human body in and you see these like plasticized parts of the human body and you see a smoker that smoked for 10 years. And then you see lungs, bright pink lungs of a smoker that had stopped smoking for five years or seven years. And just the, the body has the innate ability to heal, like take away, take away what is breaking you down and your body's goal is to heal. And so that's the beautiful part about it. Like it gives me the chills even saying it, that all you have to do is take your foot off the gas and allow your body the time and ability. And that's why fasting is becoming so popular because some people don't understand, you know, they just don't understand blood sugar balance and they don't understand um, how, I mean, how even lifestyle can affect your blood sugar, like stress, workouts, caffeine, um, all of those things, external things have an effect on blood sugar. Oh, no, Co- do we have to cut out coffee, Kelly? What do you say about coffee? 
No. And the thing that coffee is, we just want to understand how it works. So anything that's going to cause the release of adrenaline or cortisol in your body, these hormones are going to free up stored sugar from your liver and drop it into your bloodstream. So it's almost like it's almost like a fake hit of blood sugar because it's not really external. It's not um, exogenous. It's it's already like stored in your liver. It's just if you have coffee or if you work out really hard or if you are going into a presentation and your adrenaline starts rolling, your, your body's like, Ashley needs energy. We'll take this little gas tank called our liver and dump some sugar into her bloodstream. She's gonna have a little spike of blood sugar and she's gonna crash. So I ask people like, how do they feel after they have a cup of coffee? They feel awesome and then they feel like crap. Well, probably shouldn't have a, you should probably shouldn't do your fast with a coffee, like pair your coffee with a couple eggs and some, you know, a veggie scramble with some avocado and you're going to have a totally different experience to that. So it, nothing is off limits and nothing's a no. Cause I, I do want, you know, like I do have real sugar in my life, you know, and I know how my body's responding to it. And I know how, how to bring myself back from it. And it's human nature to allow something that's like in our life a little bit to kind of creep mm -hmm. and then become more and more of a daily habit. And then all of a sudden we go, Oh, I feel out of balance. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about this before the podcast, but balance isn't like being perfect. Balance is really understanding like what's your threshold and where are you going to, where are you, we talked about this on my, my podcast, fail faster. Like when, when are you kind of like putting the bumpers on your bowling lane to keep the ball moving in the right direction to say, Ooh, like, yeah, I got on this little kick of like having honey in my coffee every day or like, or just allowing sugar to creep in a little bit more. I need to pull it back a little bit. For some people that means they need to pull it out of their diet completely. For other people, it's just like saying, Hey, I'm going to have it, uh, you know, on the weekends or every other day, or and you find what works for you in regards to like pulling back. Yeah. I, I love think that. that's key. Yeah. And I, I know you've kind of touched on these combinations of foods. So it, it seems like there's no secret that like a protein with like vegetables and like olive oil or some sort of fat is good. It's a good combo. Yeah. That's what I, I'm like a cave woman. I'm like, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. So that's what the fab four is. Fab four is the combination of foods, the four foods you should put on your plate at every meal, because okay. these things support blood sugar balance and they help people to not have those high spikes and hard crashes when they don't really understand the science. Okay. Wait. So the like, four is protein, fat, okay. fiber, fiber, and leafy greens or vegetables deep in color. So okay. the, the last two fiber and greens could be those vegetables you just talked about your protein. Let's say you had chicken, you had a grass fed beef, you had eggs, you had salmon. You know, I'm using animal proteins as an, as an example, because they're highly dense in proteins. So they're really, you know, you could have four ounces or five ounces of it and you get somewhere between 30 and 20 and 30 grams of protein, really regulating the hunger hormones, really calming to the body, really sustaining. I mean, four to six hours is like a good range if you're eating the right amount of foods um, and you're eating the foods that really satisfy hunger hormones. So protein, then fat would be, are you having a salad? Use the dressing, add the avocado, add the nuts and seeds, like blood sugar balance and health is attained more with less meals. We were taught five to six small meals a day is the way to balance blood sugar. Well, that's just because they were catching you before you crashed out and burned out and said, oh, have a snack. You'll pop right back up. Oh my gosh. Down. Oh, I'm blowing. Oh, have lunch, pop right back up. And it's like, yeah, you're just having 
five to six small little spikes and you're never feeling the crash. So the three meals a day thing is literally rooted in like the like society being high with their blood sugar, where it's like, now we're hungry again. You need to sustain. (laughs) Yes. Five to six small meals a day really has come down to the fact that we were eating a bunch of processed sugary, starchy carbohydrates that were having us crash out. And they were going, oh, your blood sugar's all over the place. You're having really poor, you know, like fatigue and you're having brain fog and you're feeling hungry. And we'll just put, and do people feel better on five to six small meals a day, like macro counted by their, their trainer? Yeah. If they don't know, understand how to balance blood sugar by putting the right things on their plate, that's going to make them feel better because all of a sudden they're not feeling like a train wreck. They're they're coming right back up and they're probably not binge snacking either because they have all of these like little, small, perfectly portioned meals every three hours. Mm. But if you learn how to eat whole foods, protein doesn't break down to blood sugar. Fat doesn't break down to blood sugar. Carbohydrates do. But when you eat fiber rich carbohydrates, you got to digest through that fiber to get that sugar or starch. So we're talking uh, cucumbers, asparagus, zucchini, like all the beautiful, colorful fiber, fiber rich veggies. And then you say, okay, well, am I never having a starch again? Am I not having sweet potato? Am I not having squash? Am I not having berries? No, absolutely not. Like I call that the party plus one. I'm like, cool. Like you don't get to go to someone's dinner party and invite four friends. Like they probably let you bring a friend and that's going to make the party more fun. Like that's how you have to think about it is like, how do I balance my body first by balancing my plate? And then I'll add a little something for fun, like, or I'll add a little something for energy. If I had a really big workout or I'll add a little something just to make it like, like I love using, I mean, I'm not paleo. I'm not keto. I have dabbled in, in those lifestyles and like use them with clients who are autoimmune or who have epilepsy or you name it. Like I, I have used those, but I love those diets because of things like siete almond flour tortillas because of the monk fruit sweetener, because of the things like flackers crackers and things where people are like, Oh, I'm having fun. Like I'm not having a boring dressing list chicken salad, iceberg and chicken situation. No, I get to have this like beautiful Instagram worthy bowl full of goodness, putting some flacker crackers on the side and putting an avocado on there. Like I'm having fun with food and I'm having fun with flavor and taste, but I'm not wrecking my blood sugar. So the goal is not to say like have a protein, fat and fiber, like lettuce wrap burger with the guac and all that stuff and side of like roasted veggies. And then to say like, I made all the sweet potato fries and I'm having the dessert and I'm having the wine and I'm adding the berry fruit, berry salad. It's like, well, when you, when you look at the components of your plate, it should mostly be the things that are going to balance your blood sugar. Okay. This has been, I want to ask you also just about some trends like fasting, matcha, you know, probiotics, bulletproof coffee, gluten-free, like paleo you were talking about. Um, is there, is there any of those trends? I love that you talked about kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any of the things that we're being told to do that you just have like a particular message about like bulletproof coffee or ma- I, I'm always curious about matcha, like what your take is, is this a trend mm-hmm. and we're just putting sugary oat milk in a tea powder and having yeah. that sugar? like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. So I always come from a place, my lens is blood sugar. My lens is understanding how it's affected by blood sugar. So yeah, I mean, if someone's having a matcha with regular milk, by the way, it's actually, um, the, the 
phytochemicals, the EGCG in matcha that is so, that's why we love it. It's a phytochemical. It's an, it is an, an activator of NRF2, which is this anti-inflammatory genetic pathway. Like it's awesome. But if you have it with dairy, uh, you're not absorbing any of it. And if you're having it with oat, sugary oat milk, what's the point? Yeah. Like that's, that's the hard part for me is like, we can't, like I said, you can't just say like, it's a matcha vanilla, sugary oat milk latte. Like you can't just put the healthy word in front of the blood sugar dysregulator and call it healthy. I read a, um, there was a meme that I saw one time that like, uh, drinking kombucha for probiotics was like drinking Coke for hydration. Wow. That's really, really enlightening. And what about, is there any trend that you really just love and you're glad it's here and you wish everybody would hop on? I also want to ask you about your levels, you know, blood sugar monitor for everybody who's listening. She has guys, she has a blood sugar monitor and and she's invested in this company and she has a link for all of us to buy one if we want to, which could be really interesting. But is there any trend, especially I didn't ask you about alternative milk from a sugar perspective, which yeah. one you think is best? Yeah. Um, but is there any trend that you just would love to recommend everybody hop on? Yeah. I mean, one thing I will say just about like the bulletproof coffee, the gluten-free, just start to look at things through the lens of blood sugar balance. Like what is it mostly? Just ask yourself, is it mostly protein? Is it mostly fat? Is it mostly carbohydrates? When you break it into carbohydrates, is it mostly fiber or is it mostly sugar? Because if it's mostly sugar, it's going to be corrosive and it's going to elevate blood sugar, right? So the same goes for alternative milks. I look at what is it mostly? So almonds, coconuts, macadamia nuts, flax seeds. These are little like zone diets. <laughs> They're like protein, fat, and fiber. They're a little perfect um, blend of all of those macronutrients, right? When I look at oats or when I look at rice, it's mostly carbohydrates. It's going to dysregulate blood sugar. But you want to look at the ingredients because all of these very balanced basics of like coconut, flax, mac nut, almond, if they have added sugar, it totally dysregulates that, right? So you want to make sure it's unsweetened, no sugar added, minimal ingredients for everything. I think people get so excited about an all-in-one protein shake where it has like prebiotics and probiotics and, or they go all in on like a superfood powder that has like every superfood from around the world. And it's like every single time you, you think that something is like this cure all fix all, and it has all these ingredients, you're just increasing the chances of toxicity of, and it having an intolerance or an issue to something like being a minimalist with your food is just as important as being a minimalist in your life, like in all other aspects, it gives you clarity on what's working for you and what's not. And I think people get real excited. Like I said, if it's just like, Oh, this has everything I need and people feeding their kids pea protein milk for, for instead of, because they're like, it's all fortified. Like, no, like we have, we can do this with single source ingredients and like feel our absolute best. So, um, that's my little soapbox, but I would say something that I'm really stoked about is this movement and people are doing it in unhealthy ways. Like the fried cheese taco shells on Pinterest in the keto space. I'm like, really like eating a whole block of Philly cream cheese. Like, is that really like keto? Like, no, but I love this movement towards blood sugar. I love that work like tech, the example of levels, like I'm so excited about the tech coming out around blood sugar balance for people about around like a bio individuality, knowing yourself and having these tools to support us, whether that's 
continuous glucose monitor like levels, whether that's an aura ring for heart rate variability and sleep, you know, whether that's your Fitbit or your phone to like track your, like if you're getting motivated to do something good for yourself in the health, in a healthy way, like I'm on board. Oh, okay. This is so good. And is there anything I haven't asked you that you just think like is so important for everybody to know about their health as it relates to blood sugar or as it relates to maybe some sugar habits that we can replace with a better alternative, just anything? Yeah. A couple of like basics, like go, go get started kit for everyone listening is, um, blood sugar balance can be attained with fewer meals. So we're talking three meals is actually better than five. Um, and just because less is more doesn't mean that OMAD or one meal a day is best. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think people think they like to do extremes and balance is not extremes. Like balance is using something. So if you want to fast a 12 hour eating window and a 12 hour fasting window is great. If you can get away with 10 hours of feeding and, you know, 14 hours of fasting. Great. But doesn't mean that going and eating in a six hour window and fasting the rest of the day for two days is better than getting consistent over the long term. Getting consistent over the long term is always going to be better. So figure out what works for you in regards to getting consistent for the long term. Something that people aren't talking about because they're all excited about fasting or they're excited about different ways to not eat until one or two in the afternoon is that Blood sugar balance is better attained when we have protein filled breakfast. Mm. Like it is absolutely better for you to have break your fast with protein and to not wait too long. Because if you are trying to white knuckle it until two in the afternoon and what you end up eating doesn't satisfy you, and then you go in for snacks or you are sort of binge eating or overeating later in the day, that's actually worse for blood sugar. Eating late at night is worse for blood sugar. So the best thing you can do is get a good night's sleep. It's going to affect blood sugar. Wake up and if you work out, work out and then have something that's protein rich, that's going to support your blood sugar balance. So I'm a super big fan of my Fab Four smoothie because it's just a great way to get protein, fat and fiber in first thing in the morning to support blood sugar balance the rest of the day. But if you're not a smoothie person, an egg scramble, or, you know, I think that's where we start to dismantle some of the breakfast stuff, uh, cereal, baked goods, oatmeal, like all of those things are wrecking your blood sugar the rest of the day. How can you create something that tastes a little bit delicious that like, I have a foam meal, which is chia flax hemp parts that you heat up on the stove, like cream of wheat or oatmeal. And oh. it's delicious. And I'll throw like some grass-fed butter on it, some cinnamon, and I'll eat it like I used to eat cream of wheat growing up. And I'm like, like, this is a blend. Is this a product that you make, or is this just like something you're doing in your house? It's a recipe. You just take some chia seeds, some flax seeds, and some hemp hearts, and you put them on in a pot with some alternative nut milk, like almond milk, or um, you know, whatever coconut milk, and you stir it like you would oatmeal or like you would cream of wheat. And the chia and the flax is going to become gelatinous, like a thick bowl of porridge. And then I just take a little vanilla protein powder, drop it in and mix it up. That's my sweetener. It's using a monk fruit. And then I'll, like I said, throw a little cinnamon or a little nut butter or a little grass fed butter on that. And I am like hog heaven. Wow. I am love. I just love learning from you and I'm so excited for everybody. And I know that the levels blood sugar monitor is like a full on dive, but I think for anybody who experiences crashes and they know that they have some issue with their sugar in a world that, you know, diabetes is just becoming the new normal, which is so bad and hard. 
what, where can somebody go to get the levels monitor and what's the link that they can sign up for it? Yeah. So it's levels.link forward slash Kelly. And there's like about an, uh, I think it's like a 75 or 80,000 person wait list right now, but because I invested in the company, I do have that link that lets people skip the line, but what levels is, is a continuous glucose monitor. So just so people know before, you know, they have to know this, um, you, it, you stick it on your arm. There's a little piece of fiber that's actually going beneath your dermis. That's so going under your skin. Um, cause if a diabetic diabetic needs to test their blood sugar, they use a glucometer, they prick their finger, they push a little droplet of blood out and they test it on a test strip. This is the alternative. It sticks on your arm for 14 days. I will tell you not that it's putting me out of work, but it's the number one thing I'm using with clients right now who really want to understand and deep dive it. Cause you can get a continuous glucose monitor for a month or three months. And all of a sudden you're getting all this biofeedback of like how you individually respond to the pizza that you love to get, or those cupcakes that you make, or if you love baked goods, like you do, like, how is that really affecting your blood sugar? And then you can take a picture of the food that you eat, make a little note about it. And it's tracking your blood sugar. And then it'll prompt you. It'll be like, question mark, why did you spike up? And you're like, oh, that was a really hard berries boot camp," Or wow, I really overdid the coffee. Or I was really nervous about that podcast interview and it, and it's showing up in my bloodstream. Like, it's so amazing to get that kind of feedback and be able to edit your choices accordingly. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Where can everybody find you? Everybody, you need to listen to her podcast anywhere else people can go. So I'm, um, on everything social is at be well by Kelly. Um, my books are body love, body love every day and the body love journal, which is a food journal that came out this month talking about adding to your plate instead of depriving. It's how do you put the fab four and write it down on your, in your journal versus beating yourself up for eating, you know, a handful of this or that, um, the be well by Kelly podcast. And, um, I have courses. So if you're like, I hate to read and I hate to listen, but I want to watch you use your hands and talk. Um, I have courses on the fab four fundamentals to balance your blood sugar, the fab four pregnancy, how I use the fab four to prevent gestational diabetes and excessive weight gain during pregnancy, and also to fuel your baby with the nutrients they need. And then coming the summer will be the fab four under four, which is, really about balancing our kids' blood sugar so that they can manage their mood and learn, you know, be in a state where they are and being in a state for optimal learning. So oh, I love that. Okay. Thank you again for coming on. It means so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource that you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, ashleystahl.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you'll also see our free quiz to help you discover what career path you're actually meant for. And of course, we cannot thank you enough for written podcast reviews. I read every single single one. I get so motivated from reading your words and it just means the world to me that you take a moment if you have an Apple device and you write an actual review for me. Thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate you being here and cannot wait to connect with you next week.